Welcome to Talk for Freedom. This is Cesar Lopez with Jack Powell, Jack Powell LLC. Hey, we're starting 2020 with a brand new set of podcast episodes, and uh, we're so excited to start a new year with new content. Um, and we're also doing some new uh, style of interviews, uh, interviewing people all over the state of Texas as well. So look forward to some great new content coming in 2020. We want to thank you for following us on uh, Apple iTunes podcast, also on um, Google Play and uh, on our Facebook, Instagram for A21 Freedom Chasers, and as Chuck Paul said, Chuck Paul LLC. So we've got a great um, interview today with uh, an organization and a person who's doing some great things here in San Antonio. So I'll let Chuck kick us off. So we have the opportunity today to talk with my friend Helen Browning. I've known Helen for many, many years, way back to her days when she worked with Child Protective Services, and now she has an opportunity to work with Child Safe, which is our Children's Advocacy Center here in San Antonio. Helen, it will be helping to run up the one of the lead programs that's only happening in three places right now in the United States, a program specifically to make sure that youth who have been identified as victims of commercial sexual exploitation, human trafficking, don't fall through the cracks. And Helen's gonna be making sure that everybody plays nice in the sandbox. So you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself, Helen, and a little bit about the program? Yes, so I'm Helen Browning. My experience comes from over, uh, right around 11 years with the Department of Family Protective Services. I specialized in sexual abuse investigations. I worked a lot of fun cases, uh, a lot of rough cases. Um, Chuck is very familiar. And now I am the Director of Care Coordination with Child Safe, which is our Child Advocacy Center here in Bear County. And so Helen, can you tell us a little bit, like what's the history of care coordination and what is it that's trying to achieve today? So care coordination came about with the, the governor's task force on human trafficking. And what we noticed is that these children and minors and youth who are, who are being exploited constantly run away, in and out of services and nobody has a good track record of who's been a confirmed victim or who is a high concern for this. And so the care coordinator's job and uh, with that task force is to monitor those kids and make sure that even when they are run away, we know where they are or we have missing persons reports on them. We're making sure that we're keeping tabs of these kids. And when they're in services, what services they're getting, and we're actually doing services that benefit that child. Um, so we do service plans on them. We work within the family dynamics with them. And then we work across the board with all of the community uh, partners in Bear County to be able to do those services. And that be the past, what the problem was is that we had multiple agencies out there that we're not necessarily talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And so one agency might be doing services, services being like counseling, therapy, group counseling, uh, project-based uh, you know, engagement to get them to transcend outside their normal situation, getting them to move from, I don't know if I can change my life, or I'm not even thinking about changing my life to, I need to make changes in my life. And these changes will help them to be protected later on from being exploited again. So because we had all those different agencies, they weren't talking to each other. The problem we ran into is that a child felt like everyone was betraying them, so care coordination was born. Yes, and so what it is, is it's to give, um, it's to show the child that the community is one united front with this child. And so we're letting um, the child work with what services that work for them, 
and giving them some part of that control. And as we know with a lot of these, um, these, these youth that are in this situation is that they don't feel like they're victims at first. So there's a lot of advocacy work that has to be done with them. And when we come together as a partnership, we're able to then communicate with each other. So we're signing um, agreements with confidentiality with each other. We're doing all that so that we level that playing field and this child isn't constantly repeating the same story to every single provider that they're having to work with. Um, it's one common goal uh, for these kids. And so, and it's also shown like you can survive, you have a really big group that wants to support you from all different places in San Antonio. So they really have that foundation of strength behind them too. And that, that care coordination comes in two parts. There's the MDT part, and then there's the care coordination protocols part, mm -hmm. which I know that you're working on both. I am. So there's the investigation part, which what is what the multidisciplinary disciplinary team meeting is about, which is what the MDT is. And that is to get all of the um, law enforcement, ADA's office, advocates together to be able to tell what's going on and understand with the investigation um, of what, what happened to this child. The care coordination is going to be the service part, which is going to be more of the voice of the youth. So um, as we go through it, we have several different meetings that happen, but they get to really lead some of those meetings, especially their service plan meeting, um, any of the family meetings to discuss, to say what they really think they need and giving them that um, that empowerment back. So that, that's what we really want to do to them. We want to show them like, yes, you can still have control and we're going to help you to have control, but teaching them like where, where the control needs to be so that they're being empowered by what they're doing. So I have a question. Um for those new listeners that maybe don't know a lot about human trafficking, um, trying to take a step back, why the child? Why is your focus the child? Why is that important? So our focus um, of the child is is important because they're the ones who went through this. They're the ones who have the trauma and we don't want them to be re-victimized. Um, we know that most of these children will run several times back to the person who is allowing this abuse to happen to them um, because they're meeting some need for them. They're meeting either the social need or they're meeting the, you know, the parent need of that this child wants a parent with boundaries or, or you know, it's, it's that need-based thing. And so if we're not coming together as the community and having someone monitor the services, we're never going to meet that child's need and we're not gonna figure out what that child's real need is, which that person who did traffic them or exploit them met that need. So if we don't come in and fix that and meet that need at that base core, we won't have, we're gonna continue to have this problem. We're gonna have continue to have re-victimization of these children. And so that's what we're really looking at. Like where as a community do we fit in to meet this child's need? And that's why we give them that empowerment. They know what they're wanting. If yeah. it's encouragement at home, then we have therapists who can work with family therapy to teach parents to reparent. Um, or if it's, you know, just that they need basic needs met, like their home life is chaotic all the time. Like, do we need to find them a better place to stay or work within the family dynamics of them staying with an aunt or someone else to have those needs met? Because we know that's really how they get these kids into the game in the core is that they met a need that no one else noticed. Yeah, so you're constantly having to start from the foundation with, you know, kids and rebuild trust or love or acceptance, whatever it is that they're going through, having to rebuild that constantly. Yes. 
Yes, we are. And we're trying to, to teach them how to how to find that need in a any better way than than going out on the streets and having them happen to them. And it's spectacular in that in the past we would have multiple agencies, sometimes dozens of agencies out there, and they may be providing similar services where it limited the scope of what that child could access. Now what care coordination, what Helen's doing is she's making sure that everyone that's involved with that child's life is, is fulfilling some need in that child's life. So there are different needs. One agency might provide the family dynamics counseling. Another agency might provide the individual counseling. Another agency might provide food and shelter, while another one's providing clothing and medical follow-up. And then there's educational services. So Helen's actually coordinating to make sure that each one of these agencies is not only providing it, but talking to everybody. They're talking to each other as well as the child's having input and they're giving a voice back in this process. Mm -hmm. So like we had, so we're doing a slow rollout on this. And um, you know, this past week we had a girl and I got a call from a hospital that this girl was picked up late in the evening, in the morning. She was very much underneath the influence of several drugs. She was making a lot of stories. There was a lot of concern for what happened to her. She was very unclear in what she was saying, but she did had say at some point she had been sexually assaulted. So, you know, she was brought to the hospital. And from them calling me, I was able to take the information, go to different service providers who may or may not have worked for this kid and put her name and say, hey, do we have information on this kid? And within probably an hour and a half, we had an advocate up at the hospital working with this child while they're waiting to find parents because she was underneath the influence and unable to say like who her parents are or where where she was. Um, so within an hour and a half, like we have an advocate up there who's there to work with her, there to comfort her, stay with her while she's in the hospital going through this. We've, I was able to get a hold of Juvenile who actually had had a case with her, talk to old probation officers, find out what that family dynamics was, find out who the parents were, and relay that all into you know the hospital so that they could call the appropriate people to start working it work with the sergeant that was involved with law enforcement on what was going on on our side. So it was a very, within two hours, everybody had the information they needed to give this child what she needed while she was there. So they were able to alert the parents, they were able to tell you know law enforcement what's going on. And then we had someone up there who was also emotional support for this child and not just leaving them in a, in a hospital room by themselves, um, not knowing what's going on and, and terrified. So um, that's really how we want it to work. We wanna have everybody on the table. We wanna be able to share the information because in the end it's not you know about who's doing the services, it's about what is best for this child in that immediate need. Yeah, that's important. Um, I think timing is like huge, right? Because you don't, they've just been through something really traumatic or they're going through something. And if you don't get there right away, you know, what God knows what's going on in their mind or the actions that they want to take next. And you being there on the spot will help them guide them in the right direction. So that's, that's huge. And so part of the care coordination, because you know, I've been in those meetings and part of what I got listeners need to understand is, is that we have now a system set up here in Bear County, which is also only in Travis County and in um, Harris County mm -hmm. in Texas, where it's now a known written protocol that says when a child is identified, when we identify a child as a victim of trafficking, we now contact one number, which is our care coordinator, who then knows who to contact in that first hour, who to contact in that fourth hour, who to contact in that first 12 hours, 
so that the right providers are brought in at the right time because you can't overwhelm this child either because they would feel they would feel rushed they would feel ganged up on and so and with that protocol you know we have the the 48 hour rapid response team meeting. So after 48 hours of a child being identified, you know, we're bringing together law enforcement, um, the advocate, any medical, and we're kind of saying, this is what's going on, clearing that table, because we know that the child's story is gonna be given out in pieces to who they're working with. So they may say, this part to the advocate and may say a lot to the advocate, but say very little to law enforcement, or they may say a lot to a nurse who's doing a sexual assault exam on him, but say very little to anybody else. And so it kind of gets us the story of that child. From there, you know, the 48 hours is really just what basic needs do we need to meet for this child? Food, shelter, clothing, toiletries, um, getting them somebody assigned as an advocate so they're not by themselves, they're not alone. And then we move into, you know, a week, a two week process. And eventually, um, you know, we can keep these kids up until they're 19 if they're in the system working with them underneath this program. But we're constantly checking in every three months, how our service is going once they get to a stable period. Um, our main goal is to try to get them to that stable period to be able to really get those services going. And we evaluate based on the time and what that child needs, what services we're going to do at a time. We're not going to put a child in 15 different services at once. Like nobody can manage that. So it might be if they're coming off of, you know, drugs that we're getting them into a detox and we're starting substance abuse. And then from substance abuse, we're starting counseling. And then once we stabilize there, maybe we bring in the family to family counseling. So then we're, it's a slow progression of it because you really have to you can't just counsel the child in this. You have to have the family on board with this because there obviously was something that was not being met that got them there. So we need to figure out, is it the family thing? Is it the individual thing? But then, you know, the whole trauma is not just to the child. It, it happens, you know, to the siblings. It happens to the, the family that's involved with that child as well um, because that child was missing. And so, you know, there was chaos in the home, why that child was gone or what was happening and, and worried parents. So um, we really have to rebuild all of that as we go through these services. Yeah, and what does, uh, what does this success look like in the life of a child after, you know, you've, they've gone through all of this? So our whole goal is to take them from a victim, if that's the way they want to classify themselves, um, to a survivor. And our, so, and that is making them where we've met those needs, they've come past this trauma, they're able to function on their normal, not our normal, but their normal, yeah. um, and able to then go out and not be somebody who's suspected, suspected of like any type of abuse or be a target for that abuse. Wow. And do you, do you also help with, you know, the process of getting, so they, they've, let's say all that's done and they, they now um, feel and they're, they're, they feel like a survivor. Do you help with like getting them back into work, school, things like that as well? We do all of that. So we do school, work. Um, if we're dealing with a child with immigration, I'm working with the immigration office for any of those needs. Um, 
So anything that the child could need to get them back and to be successful, we're going to work on. So, I mean, and that includes like transportation, like some of just the little things that you don't even think about um, that go on. So all of those things are being coordinated in it. I think I have almost 50 different services for these kids that range from very, very basic up to very high level um, for them. So for a lot of our listeners may be listening to this and they're starting to try to put that picture together in their mind. I'm going to try to draw a picture. We know that on a good football team, not everybody's the quarterback. We also know that on a good team that the quarterback really has to coordinate with the coach and that you also have you know, like your different coordinators that are watching things on the outside. So really I see care coordination like your role. You're more like that coach, like that offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. You're letting those players around the field know, okay, this is what move you're going to make next. Here's how we practice together to make that move together so that we can actually execute that play Mm -hmm. in a coordinated effort so that we can have success. Yes. We kind of call it air, air traffic control. Um, that I'm constantly telling people like, okay, this needs to be here and we need to get this done. And where are we on this? And has this child had, you know, this youth had this. And so it's kind of like air traffic control and then bringing everybody together to make sure that, that we're all not duplicating stuff on, on this child as well. Um, because there, there is a lot of services out there. There are a lot of good people who want to work with these kids. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're matching the right service to, to the right child. And, and that's amazing to watch that happen because in the past, you and I have both witnessed how a child would get frustrated very easily because 15 different service providers were pulling by for their attention and everyone was telling them something and maybe everyone, everyone was giving the complete information or had the entire complete information so they couldn't give the best advice. So the child really felt like the whole system was failing them. Mm-hmm. And then they, they felt betrayed by the system. They felt that, you know, there's this person who wants me to do this and this person who wants me to do this. And then, you know, it's just, it was chaos to them. And so it's much easier when all of that chaos is happening to say, you know what, I can run back to somebody who's not going to be chaos to me. Like who's, who's going to let me, I may have to do things I don't want to do and I don't like to do, but at least I don't have a bunch of people badgering me 24 seven and me not knowing which direction to go in and being pulled in a lot of directions. Um, because, you know, you are dealing with victims who have lost part of their freedom. Like they are coming out of not being able to make their own decisions, not being able to, to you know, eat when they want to eat and do stuff like that. And it's, you know, they've been very much controlled. And so if you throw that much at them, it's overwhelming and they either shut down on you or they run. And that's that's what we don't want. We don't want these girls running back. Are these guys running back? Because um, we deal with both populations. We don't want that. We don't want them running back and um, back to what's going on to them. And that's why it's important to get them into the right place because we hear that often from survivor stories is um, the lack of freedom. And you know sometimes there are a lot of people out there that want to help you know anyone who is being trafficked and sometimes they don't they they have the best intentions but they come at it trying to tell them you have to do this you have to do that you have to do this and it's not always the right approach because they just came out of a situation just like that it's absolutely correct and the amazing thing about this process unlike the mdt side the the investigative side is i've sit in i sit in those meetings Mm -hmm. and to sit around that table where you're up there 
asking, okay, where are you, police department? What are you doing on the prosecution side? What What's coming from the medical side? What's coming from the mental health side? How What's going on with the sheltering and services side, which is I'm on? And everybody's answering, and we're all answering at each turn, and we're all sharing that information with each other, all in one room, and all that's going into a database. So we're able to track all of that. The nice thing about it is, is the police officers know what's happening at the shelter. They know, and the shelter knows what's happening with the medical. And we have one place where we can share all that. That just did not happen before. No. And it also helps to have those meetings because these girls don't disclose right away. And they especially don't disclose who did it to them um, a lot of the times. So what we found out and what a lot of people noticed and the governor noticed was that cases were being closed on the investigation side because these girls weren't ready to talk or these boys weren't ready to talk um and they were being closed and then a counselor would work with one of these these youth and they would start disclosing six or seven months down the road the counselor would call the the detective who was assigned and say hey this is the name we have blah 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 and nothing was getting done because that case had already been previously closed so we are able through those mdt meetings to bring back those cases that are involved in care coordination that may have new information and bring everybody back at the table and say hey we have new information that may lead to something to get some of these guys off the street because you know in the end like we can take these victims and we can keep taking them but if they aren't stopped it's just another child or another youth who's going to come victim to them. And so, you know, we want to do both. Um, the other part of my job is I do do, a, you know, prevention services. So, you know, we do go out and do trainings and I do team up um, with different organizations to explain care coordination while they explain exactly what, you know, child sex trafficking is or child labor trafficking is to show them that there is a dual part um, of the of what's going on now. So it's not just we know about the problem, here's how we're actually trying to solve the problem as well. Yeah, that's awesome work. A lot of people don't know um, the coordination efforts that are happening in the background. And I think it's important to bring this information to light. How do you how do you get most of your referrals? Is it through the process of the coordination? Is that how it all comes about? So right now, most of our referrals come from Centro <laughs> um, because they are the 24-hour drop-in center um, for any type of runaway child. So, um, and they are working um, with these these youth to do um, to do what we call the see it tool, which is a um, a child it's a screening tool for if the child could be at risk for human trafficking. And so they will let me know um, if they have a child. So I'm in constant coordination with them. Um, if there is any type of other shelter they come to, um, medical knows, um, our partners in the, the medical field know that if they have a child come in that's being dropped in by law enforcement for some type of sexual assault, and as they're doing their interviews, it comes up that it's it could be human trafficking or there's concern for it, then they give me a call. Um, law enforcement does. So pretty much it's all of our partners that we work with and coordinate it. So, um, most of them are on board so from counselors who may have been doing counseling on a child for something else and then it comes in that this happened to them um they they let me know so we can start the tracking process and start the coordination services for that child um and then 
the Department of Family Protective Services because, you know, a lot of their youth do run away who are in care. And so um, they're letting me know as well. So there's pretty much anybody who's out in the community who's working with this demographic has been brought to the table for care coordination to be able to to do the services and know what's going on. Um, I think when we started off making um, just the procedures of what was going on, uh, I think there was like 150 people at the table in the beginning and it's slowly going down as we get to the very nitty gritty core of um, finalizing. But um, yeah, they it comes from everywhere. Yeah, the reason I ask that question is um, if you don't know, you don't, you don't can't even imagine uh, all the puzzle pieces you know that are coming together to help a child and you know there's people that might be donating or volunteering to an organization and they think uh well what are you really doing with those funds well the truth is that they're working with other organizations to try to make a bigger impact and so that's that's amazing um and also if if you work in the field if you work at a hotel if you are a nurse you work in the medical field know that there are organizations out there that you or your company or your job can get connected with so that they can alert, you know, bring these things up when they do happen or when you do notice something funny or weird. So I would encourage anyone that's hearing this that wants to report information to you, text information to 233-733. You can call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline at 1888. Um, oh, I caught it wrong there. That's all right. <laughs> we'll get it right here. Yeah, that just shows you we're, we're human and we're not perfect, right? So the National Human Trafficking Hotline is 888-373-7888. And so, Helen, I'm thank you. Thank you so much for coming in today and talking to us and letting us know about this awesome work that you're doing. It, it is it is fabulous to see because for so long, there's been a huge true disconnect and watching care coordination develop and watching it launch. Now we're seeing this entire community saying, not in my city, not in my county, not in my backyard. This is not going to happen. It's not okay to sell kids. Exactly. And that's what we want. We want to make sure that these kids are getting what they need. And we really um, are excited about the process and the future that this holds um, and us really being able to identify where this is happening because we, we are getting the information of where this is happening and where it's identified and it's very helpful that we have counterparts in Dallas and Houston because if I have a child who ran from there and I'm working with them I can call them and they will take control of that child so we're really able to interconnect throughout the state now that's amazing if uh, is there anything else you want our audience or followers to know um, is there some way they can support the organization donate um, anything else they can do to connect Yes, so um, I work for Child Safe, which is our child advocacy center. Um, we are a complete nonprofit. Um, we work with children um, from all ages up to 18. Um, they do forensic interviews. Um, we have counseling services on board as well. They um, we have a venture therapy, which is amazing, um, which means like there's rope courses or mm. canoeing with therapists. Um, but we are a nonprofit, and so if you go to um, www.childsafe-sa.org, um, you can make donations there. Um, anything helps support these kids because we don't just work with children who are human trafficked. We work with children who have been abused on any level. Um, so that is definitely something that, that you can do. You can also um, 
contact us if you want to do volunteer and there's a way to do that on the website as well um, to volunteer well that's awesome so you said childsafe-sa.org um, and so if you want to get connected there uh, nonprofits can always use your volunteer time and they can always use your donations um, to make this bigger impact that um, they are doing so Helen thank you for for coming out um, thank you for allowing us to ask you some questions and allowing our audience to know a little bit more about what Child Safe is doing in San Antonio, um, Bear County, and really all across the state of Texas. And uh, continue to listen to uh, us on iTunes podcast. Leave us a comment. Rate us. We want to know how we're doing. If you have any questions, you can always leave us comments on Facebook, Instagram at uh, A21 Freedom Chasers or Chuck Paul LLC. Any last comments, Chuck? No, I just thank the listeners today for sitting down and listening to what we have to say about care coordination. I encourage you to get involved in your community. If you don't have care coordination in your community, I encourage you to reach out to your community leaders and get it there. Because Helen is doing a great job here in our area of the Alamo area, but we need more people like Helen to help coordinate the services, resources, law enforcement investigations across the board so we can not only just say not in my city, not in my backyard, but not in my country. That's right. So if you want to get connected anywhere, uh, wherever you're listening across the, the U.S. or the other world, um, you can always reach out to Child Safe, and I'm sure they can point you in the right direction or help you out. So thank you again for listening. Talk to you next time.